0: Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me here at Fashion Talks. Today, my guest is Melody Reynolds, who is the founder-CEO of Elate Cosmetics, and huh, Our conversation, it got kind of emotional. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. I want to share a little bit about Melody and about her organization before we start. So Elate is part of Illuma Beauty Inc., which is an ethical beauty brand with a vision of a world without single-use cosmetic packaging. What a great vision. We make refillable, or they make refillable, high-performing, vegan, and cruelty-free cosmetics and skincare with an ethical supply chain, responsible marketing, and sustainable, reusable packaging. As a B Corp certified company, they prioritize people and the planet. The two brands, Elate Cosmetics and Foster Skincare, educate, empower, and inspire everyone to simplify their beauty rituals to reduce waste. And so much of what that ethos is, Melody and I get into in our conversation. Melody began a late with a simple message. Our daily choices create global impact and choosing ethical products means a more positive result. And since she started in 2015, she's been creating innovative beauty products that encourage simplicity, self-love and empower everyone to make sustainable choices for their daily rituals. And we are going to dig into a lot of that, but also a lot of the things that inspired her to create the company in the first place and some of the hurdles and joys that we setting out at the beginning. And we kind of got into the, you know, kind of mindset of an entrepreneur and, and some of the excitement and challenges and lessons that come within. So it's a really wonderful conversation. Let's get right to it. Melody, it's so great to have you here today on Fashion Talks. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, Donna, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, and this is kind of a, a milestone for for Fashion Talks because you're our first beauty founder that we've ever had on. And I know. Woo-hoo. Oh my goodness. I'm so honored. Well, and it's cool because fashion and beauty are two sides of the same coin. And I've had makeup artists on before, but I'm super excited to get your story and perspective as a, as a brand founder, because especially in the Canadian industry landscape, uh, we don't have a lot of... Of uh, makeup brands. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a cool, you know, for our Canadian listeners, it's a very cool Canadiana story as well. Yeah, thank you. I I think so too, but I'm
1: a little bit biased.
0: Granted. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump right in there because, you know, you've got such a, a wonderful breadth of story, but let's kind of go back to, you know, a late launched in 2014. What inspired you to start your own brand. Like obviously you've been working as a makeup artist for many years, but the leap from, you know, being a, even an employee or a freelancer to brand founder, like that's no joke. What was the inspiration to do that? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that you
1: recognize what a leap that is. There are definitely moments when I think to myself, "Oh, it's not that big a deal." You know, I just went from <laughs> Being an employee of a company to, you know, starting my own company. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal, right? You know, I love this question because it's it's like all great questions about origin stories or about history is, is there isn't just one thing that led me to starting my own company. It was kind of a compilation of things, if you will. So the Coles notes version is, you know, I was working for a large international cosmetic company and I had a bunch of experiences there that I know a lot of your listeners will have had, especially if they are women or um, a marginalized person. And those experiences were, you know, in a boardroom with a bunch of, um, you know, older white men, um, nothing against older white men, but that just tended to be who was in the boardrooms. And a lot of people don't realize that in big beauty, it's all men. You know, it's it's often all men at the top. And so I had a few experiences at my company that led me to feel like not only was I not in the right place, but someone, not me, but someone needed to do something about it. You know, the idea that sitting in a marketing meeting where the product you're trying to market is directly something that I would use and I am the target market. And, you know, sort of being shuffled off to the side because, you know, I'm young and I'm a woman and I don't know what I'm talking about. That, you know, not only did those things hurt because, you know, you you bring your whole self to, to what you're doing, especially when you're passionate about the industry that you are in, but it also just didn't feel right to me. You know, how could they dismiss a person who they should actually be focused on selling to um, specifically because, you know, of, of the room that I was sitting in? And so, you know, a few experiences like that started to make me feel very disenchanted with the industry that I had entered that I really was in love with because I I loved the idea of of helping people see themselves in a different way and helping people recognize that, you know, these small moments of of self-care, whether it be, you know, looking after your skin or putting on some mascara, really fill up that self-worth tank that you carry with you throughout the entire day. But those experiences depleted my self-worth tank. And so that started to make me feel like I wasn't in the right place. That coupled with um, an experience that I had as a professional makeup artist building my kit and recognizing that every single time I bought a new product, I was actually creating garbage. And, you know, so I go from there's, there's problems in the corporate beauty world at the top. You know, because the way that we treat the people that are in our company and that are in our, our, our sacred space and in our inner circle is ultimately going to be the way that we treat our customers at the end of the day. I very firmly believe that. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was problem number one that I identified. Then problem number two was just prolific, prolific waste. Um, I, I couldn't understand that every single time I bought a product, not only was I creating a pile of garbage, but then it was my responsibility at the end of the day Just by nature of doing my job, it was my responsibility to dispose of a bunch of plastic that actually at that time couldn't be recycled. So it just up in the landfill, you know, and then and then problem number three is sort of attached to those two things. And that was that overconsumption was just the norm, you know, so not only as a professional makeup artist was I overconsuming because I had to have a kit full of everything that I would ever possibly need. But as a consumer... You know, I've been trained from, you know, four or five, you know, seeing the magazines at the grocery store while I'm waiting with my mom or, you know, seeing, um, you know, Seventeen magazine was really big. I don't even know if that's still around now when I was a teenager, a teen tiger beat, you know, seeing this, this standardized image of what I was supposed to look like and what I was supposed to represent, you know, is the way that beauty companies traditionally have marketed their products with fear and with shame. So that if I just buy one more lipstick, sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional about it. Mm-hmm. If I just buy one more lipstick, I will finally be good enough and be acceptable in society. And, you know, then it will solve all my problems. Yeah. And so those sort of three things all converged at once. Um, you know, I decided to leave my career. Um, I decided that somebody had to do something about this problem of waste in the beauty industry. And I decided that, you know, someone also had to do something about the way that beauty products were marketed. And so with those three things, I, you know, took the leap, I guess, because when I looked around, you know, somebody's got to do something. That's me. It
0: sounds like you couldn't help yourself. You're like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, I also was like, somebody's got to do something. Everyone I talked to was like, yeah, okay. You know, and even just like, not only the, those three issues, but also What's going in our beauty products? You know, what's going in them? And, and this, you know, almost perverted desire to make billions of dollars in profit, you know, and it's all, again, it's all connected. So why would I use an ingredient that's better for my customers when it actually makes me make less profit? You know, why would I use an ingredient that is known scientifically to be not that good But we keep putting it in our products because that's just what we've always done, because that maintains our status quo as a big beauty company. And so, you know, when I was asking these questions and when I was saying somebody's got to do something, what I was coming up against for the most part was, no, nobody's going to do anything because this is just the way that we've always done things. And, you know, I couldn't help but know that in my heart, because of, you know, mentors and people in my life. One of the quotes that I love is that if you want to get what you've always got, then do what you've always done. (laughs) So true. That's so powerful. And I think I didn't want to be part of an industry that was going to do what it always had done. I wanted to be part of something that could actually make a difference, not only on the individual level in your bathroom mirror every morning, but on a global level and on a societal level and an environmental level. And so when I looked around and realized that somebody's got to do something, and I guess it's got to be me, that was where it all came together.
0: Well, and there's so much in that amazing story that I want to just sort of dig into a little bit more, because what I hear you saying on the one hand, you know, makeup is this, makeup's this really wonderful tool. That we can use, like it has this transformative kind of element to it, much like fashion, where you know you put on a red lipstick and your whole outfit can t- kind of change, and it has this power to transform. But coupled with that is this kind of shame salad of marketing and and worth depletion. Like, how do you navigate those two things? as a as a as a leader that's such an amazing
1: question and and i agree you know i i think that fashion and beauty are so intrinsically tied they might as well be the same thing you know it's it's all you do need to care for your skin you don't necessarily need to put makeup on right you do need to clothe your body but you don't necessarily need to clothe in 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 a way that has flair And so, you know, the the idea that these things are not necessary is is one idea that, that I have thought about a lot. Because what it means is that although it is not necessary to live, it is necessary to feel expressive and to feel adorned and to feel, you know, that emotional connection with the way that you present yourself to the world. And so the struggle that I have is knowing that And knowing how effective specific marketing tactics can be, because I've been victim to them, right? And trying to change the way that we think about ourselves and that we think about the tools that we use for adornment. And it is a topic that often keeps me up at night. You know, how how do I talk to people about this idea of adornment and about this idea of you know using these things to to give yourself a boost or to you know feel that care for yourself without utilizing those those fear and shame based tactics that I know we've all had right it's the it's the fast fashion you know the latest trend this is the color of the season you have to own this and if you don't you are not worthy um and that's fashion and beauty combined though those are the messages that we see and even companies that don't that aren't meaning harm, even companies that are meaning to provide a, you know, this is how you express yourself. They don't realize that the damage has already been done for many of us because we grew up in the world where you're not good enough. So you have to buy this thing. So for companies like Elate, and, you know, and I know lots of amazing fashion companies out there doing really wonderful sustainability pieces, um, the marketing does need to be so thoughtful and it does need to be a, A very bold statement about what you need and what you don't. So at Elay, you know, one of our favorite marketing sentences is the last thing you need is another lipstick. And I really, truly mean that.
0: As a beauty makeup
1: company, (laughs) that is a bold statement. It (laughs) is. Um, You know, and and the way that we talk about that is that you don't need any of this. Um, this This is a want. This is a tool of adornment. This is a nice to have. And so that's why it's so important to us to recognize that the things that are not necessities in our life, those are the things that we need to focus the most on having them be better for people and the planet. You know, and and I think that that is really where we focus everything on is that you don't need this, but if you want one, we have a better version than anything else that's out there. And it's better for you and it's better for the planet. It's not about, you know, um, what's the, you know, maybe she's born with it or like all, all of those sort of taglines about like how you look, what we focus on is, is how do you want to feel? And at the end of the day, I want to feel like me. And part of me is, is feeling like the choices that I've made throughout that day make me feel like, you know, like I'm a good human and, you know, and it's not perfect, but we, we, what we offer is that little window into adorn yourself in a way that makes you feel fantastic. And then on the other side, because the products you're using are also good for you and the planet, then you feel good in that respect as well. And I think across fashion and beauty, that's what's, that's what all the companies I admire are doing is just recognizing that the thing that we do is just, it's fun. It's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be a, a tool, um, to bring joy into your life, not to bring shame,
0: which is such like it sounds so simple, but I can't help but think as you're talking, like, the nuance between self care and vanity or self care and, um, a false sense of worthiness, like they parse out by paper clips. Like that's a very complex thing that you're negotiating as a brand. It is. And I think. The
1: light bulb moment for me was when I started thinking about my own personal mental health journey. Um, you know, And again, this is a very deep topic, <laughs> but, but I think it's important to, to, to bring up the fact that, that a lot of the self-worth issues that many of us have, especially young people today, are, are based and are rooted in this idea that we need to be and to look a certain way. And, you know, so fighting against that as a makeup company, you know, I know that we have that, that's a, that's a, that's a hard road to, to go down, but it is so important to me that people recognize that I started this company, not only because of, of, you know, those three things that I recognize were broken in the industry, but because of my own personal emotional journey with how I look and how I feel about it and how that is tied to my self-worth and, and what those roots are. And, and it really hit me like a lightning bolt when I was sitting and I was actually writing some of my business plan, which by the way, I hated, I hated writing a business plan. Um, that's not my forte. I just wanted to, I just wanted to make cool stuff. And, uh, and so I was having this like sort of flashback to kind of a dark time in my mid twenties when I didn't know it, but I was depressed. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but when I look back, I'm like, oh, that's what was wrong. I was depressed, terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I wish someone had told me, but the key, the the moment, the morning that I remember getting up and realizing that I needed to do something about how I was feeling, what I noticed was that it had been a full week. So a full seven days that I hadn't showered or put on mascara. And those were the two things that I always kind of had done for myself. Um, I was never a big makeup wearer. Uh, You know, I always just wore little bits and bobs here and there, even as a makeup artist, mainly because I was lazy, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) right. I've only got five minutes, so this is what I can do. But, but I realized that I wasn't not putting on makeup, you know, it it wasn't about being pretty, right. It wasn't about like, oh, I'm going to put on makeup because I want to feel pretty. It was actually, that was the moment of every day that I, I was paying attention to myself. And when I stopped doing that, like that was when I realized I was in trouble.
0: Yeah, and the cascade so, is real.
1: Yeah, and, and what I came up with, you know, and then, and then fast forward to when I was writing my business plan and I had this light bulb moment when I realized that it was about, it wasn't about the end result, it was about the action. And that was where the whole philosophy for the company was born. And that's everyday routines become ritual when the action is more important than the result. So this idea yeah. that... Um, I'm clearly a very emotional person. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the idea is powerful though. It, like it it's is. such a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. And when you can taste the change that that paradigm shift will make, mm-hmm. like I just got goosebumps. Like I feel you, like it changes yeah. the lives of, of people every, like not to make it hyperbole, but like no, it really can change. Yes. Massive thing, massively. massively. It,
1: and, and this is, you know, from my professional makeup career to, to starting this company, this is what I was so, like the layers of the onion I was trying to peel back about the beauty industry. Because on the surface, I was like, why do I like this so much? Like, yes, I love talking to people. And yes, I love, you know, making people feel good. But there's so much more to it. And, and that was the seed that I finally got to was that none of this stuff is actually important at this side of it. None of the, like, how you look when you leave the house or or how you look when you look in the mirror, um, none of those things actually mattered. It was the action. It was the the, the ritual over the routine. It was the, in the moment, I'm going to pay attention to myself. I'm going to show myself the same care and attention that I would show anybody else that I love. And it's that moment in the mirror every day. And so when I had that epiphany, you know, that was when it all came full circle. And when I recognized what I had to do and what I could do to try to affect change in the marketing of beauty products was focusing on that. It's the moment that you're applying, not how you look afterwards that matters.
0: Uh, Melody, I just want to acknowledge like the personal journey. It sounds like you went on internally yourself to birth this philosophy for your organization. Like I think That's such a powerful thing for other entrepreneurs to kind of really sit in like so much of what I'm hearing you say is that so much of the purpose and the ethos of a late came from a lot of personal reflection, intentional or otherwise, like, Mm -hmm. but that that connection between your own personal growth, you can make a direct link to what it meant for your your business in terms of philosophy and, and purpose.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's all of the things about business, right? You know, start with why start, start with your why. And for me, I had so many whys mm-hmm. that I, I just couldn't ignore them anymore, yeah. but that was potentially the most powerful one because it was the one that was the most personal. And it was the one that I felt when you start a company it's scary because you think i'm going to put something out in the world and i hope people like it yeah. but they might not <laughs> fingers crossed yeah and for me that focus the 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 routines over the rituals and the idea of you know that your self-worth doesn't come from the lipstick you put on it comes from putting on the lipstick mm-hmm. right yeah um that subtlety i knew that no matter what i put into the world even if nobody liked it, I would feel good about it. I would feel better just having had that realization myself and, and sharing it with whoever would listen. And so that actually is what gave me the fuel to go on was that even just with myself, I had made a difference. And, you know, fast forward now, eight years later, I, I know that we've made a difference in many, many, many lives because simply with that philosophy, not even with the sustainability piece, not even with, you know, eliminating single-use cosmetic packaging, which is a a big broad vision in itself, but just the idea that if we can shift someone's thinking about themselves, um, then we have succeeded. And so by that definition of success, I I definitely feel like we've been successful.
0: Well, I want to also, you know, pivot a little bit because, you know, we're, we're inspired by the fuel of philosophy right now but you're running a business so yes. you bootstrapped to late yourself yes talk to me about like what was your first product how did the market react like how, did you were you did you go to any like new venture you know presentations to make your pitch like what was, because now in 2022, you know, the philosophy of, of late and its ethos with sustainability and, and, and no waste feels very like de rigueur in some ways, because yes. as it should be, but that was not the way it was in 2014. So what were those early days like?
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I love that. I, I love that we are now at a, at a point in the beauty industry specifically where, you know, the philosophy that I put my heart and soul into is now just the norm. That's now expected. And I love that so much. But yeah, back into tw- well, it was actually 2012 when when I started, you know, bandying this idea yeah. about. And I'll never forget one of the very first business events that I went to. You know, you're networking and everybody's doing the things. They're like, hey, what do you do? Hey, what do yeah. you do? Yeah. Um, and I I started giving my, you know, my elevator pitch to to a, a, a lovely gentleman that I mm-hmm. that I met. We were chatting. Mm-hmm. And his reaction was, well, who cares about sustainable makeup? And and I was taken aback a bit because, you know, it was, um, that felt really bold <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. And, and I said, well, I care. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of other people care as well. And that was the first of many instances where I was in the room with a bunch of business people and I'm not a business person. I did not go to business school. I do not have an MBA. Um, and so I definitely felt, you know, a lot of, of um, like a lack of confidence sometimes, you know, because I would pitch and I would get this pushback of, well, nobody cares about that. Oh, well, my my wife just buys whatever color she likes. She doesn't care what packaging it comes in or what brand it comes from. And, you know, to which I would always push back and say, really? You should probably ask her because I bet she cares. You know, maybe you don't think that she cares, but I bet that she does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so there was, yeah, there was a lot of, of opportunities for me to reflect on, was this a good idea? Because, you know, in any room, if I'm talking to 10 people and eight of them say, this doesn't sound like anybody would want this, you know, that does, that makes me say, well, what am I missing? Cause that's my number one question I always ask myself as a business person. Mm-hmm. What am I missing? You know, number one, am I the smartest person in the room? if I am, I got to get out of that room. And number two, what am I missing? Because I'm probably missing something. You know, I think all of those moments were just fuel for my fire. It was just Mm -hmm. a, you know, whether this person was a, you know, someone that I respected and admired based on business, they didn't know anything about my industry. You know, I had 20 years of putting makeup on people's faces to, to gather enough, you know, evidence that this is something that people would care about. I also cared about it. You know, I want to be a good environmental citizen, and I don't think I'm unique in that fact. But I also recognize that when it comes to making real change in the world, it's not the big grand gestures, right? It's not buying a Tesla, although it's nice if we can all own an electric car. We can't all afford one. What it is, is, you know, making sure the toothpaste you use doesn't come in a plastic tube because all of those plastic tubes add up and they're forever. And so it's not about the big grand gestures. It's about the little stuff that we do every single day. And that was really what kept me moving forward is just because these people haven't noticed that this is the stuff that we need to do. They're focusing on big things. I'm going to focus on the little stuff because Mm -hmm. I think that is what is truly going to make a difference. And so, yeah, in the beginning, I I did. I felt discouraged a lot, um, but I kept going because even though I felt discouraged and I felt, you know, a lack of confidence, I, I, knew that I could make a difference, even if it was just small, even if it was just in my town, even if it was just my circle of, of friends. And so the very first product I made was a multi-use product. Um, we called it Universal Cream, yeah. and because uh, multi-use, again, as a makeup artist, you know, I had six different things in six different plastic packages that could have just been condensed into one thing. And so I wanted to focus on things that were multi-use from a sustainability point, but also, you know, from a professional artist's point and from a lazy person's point,
0: I just want yeah. one product to put on. It's the only people who like single use products are the companies who want to sell you the same thing three times. Like, exactly. as, an, as an artist, mm-hmm. you use products in multiple ways all the time. Always. Yeah.
1: And yeah. so, yeah. And I, I, you know, mixed up my first batch in my in my kitchen on my stove. Um, you know, and that was it. You know, I, I poured it into plastic tubes at the time because I was like, okay, well, they're recycled, so I can recycle these because it was a mono material. Mm. Um, and they actually look like little deodorants. Yeah. And the idea was that you just, you know, you've kind of swiped it on and took it with you, and away you went. And that was the the first thing I did. And I sold them to friends and family. And then I opened up an e-commerce store and I actually used to hand deliver my product in the town that I'm from because I really Mm. wanted that like face-to-face contact with my first customers. I also didn't want to pay Canada Post to just ship things for me when I could do it. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and I will never forget the very first order that came through my website for one of my universal creams. That wasn't, that was someone I didn't know. And that was someone who didn't live in my town. Um, and you know, and just those little milestones of like, okay, people like this. They, they like the philosophy. And that was when I started getting feedback that was like, Hey, I love the product. It's amazing. I love the multi-use. I love the multi-purpose. Um, number one, I want more. I want to be able to buy it in a store and I don't want it in plastic. And so I was like, okay, okay. So feedback was good. And, you know, yeah. and then it was, okay, well, if I have to make bigger batches, well, I can't do that in my kitchen. So what do I do? Um, honestly, I, I felt like, I had just rediscovered Google at that point because (laughs) there was a lot of like, okay, I know how to do these things. I know how to make product because I took, you know, all kinds of workshops and did all kinds of research. And, you know, and I was lucky enough to have relationships with some of the chemists that I worked with at my old company. And so I felt really good about that. But all the other stuff like marketing and getting my product out there and shipping it and what should it go in, it really felt like a co-creation with my first customers. It really did. And you know, and I'm so proud to say that a lot of the sort of 30, 30 or 40 people that were my first customers are still our customers today. That's amazing. Yeah. And it and it felt and Instagram was, you know, wasn't new at that time, but it was new to me. And you know, with zero marketing budget, that was the tool I used. And I didn't have a marketing campaign, but what I did have was this idea that no matter what all these people at this networking event said, um, they're not my target market. You know, I'm not going to make that same mistake that the executives in the board meeting with me made, because I am the target market. They are not my target market. So if they don't think this is a good idea, I actually don't care. I do care if the people that I'm trying to sell this product to think it's a good idea. And I want them to be involved, and I want them to come with me on the journey. Because if you are coming with me on the journey, then you are not only invested in our philosophy, but you're going to become invested in the environmental journey as well. And so, you know, those early days were just using Instagram as a way to tell my story. And like the photos and the little videos are just so grainy. And it's like me in my bathrobe with my little redheaded two-year-old and just like, like, look at this packaging and what do you think of this? And just asking people questions and getting feedback and just, again, kind of treating it as though it was like, you know, you know, the Christmas letter that people sometimes write. Oh, right? yeah. The, like the roundup of like, this is what we did today. And Johnny is off yeah. to university yeah. and whatnot. Uh-huh. I kind of felt like Instagram was just like my my daily Christmas letter to everyone. Like, this is what's happened to me in the last 24 hours. Yeah. My packaging's delayed. Um, you know, I, I, I discovered that someone owns the trademark on the name I picked. So I had to change the name. Like there's, you know, there's all of these little failures that I actually let people witness because. I think it's so important to to know where the products you use come from. And that's well, and where that the
0: human behind it, right? Like it's so mm-hmm. easy for the the humans to sometimes kind of fade behind the brand when there's humans behind everything. Right. And I I couldn't help but think as you were sharing that story where you said, you know, they weren't my target market. So I didn't listen. I chose not to listen to them. Like (laughs) that is such, no, but that's such a powerful lesson that can be, you know, put across so many other situations, but especially if you are someone who is, you know, working professionally in something where it's like there's so much noise all the time Mm -hmm. that being able to say I am actually going to tune you out because you're not like you're not the people that I'm trying to speak to anyway so yeah Yeah. you know and I and I've never considered
1: myself to be a bold person but I, I do recall, you know, being described that way. And, and now I will wear that title very proudly because I do think it's bold in a room where people are telling you that your idea is no good to say, well, my idea actually isn't for you. So it's it doesn't matter what you
0: think. Act. <laughs> that is a brave act. Like mm-hmm. It takes courage to stand in your convictions that way. Mm-hmm. Especially if those are the people that might have money that would be very useful yeah. to you. Money well, is always yeah. useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I'll,
1: but I'll tell you what is more useful. And this may sound, you know, contrite, but I'll say it anyway. What's more useful is is at the end of the day, I'm really proud of what I'm doing. And that is worth more than any amount of money that someone who doesn't believe in what I'm doing could give me. Simply because they're looking to make a profit off of an investment. And so that is why, still to this day, we are self-funded and employee-owned, because that's what's important to me. And yeah, although it would have been great to have that person say, that's a terrible idea, but I'll invested it in anyway. <laughs> um, I I wouldn't have given them the opportunity because I think that, you know, although we're not a nonprofit, we are in business to make money. You know, I didn't get out of bed this morning hoping to lose money. I'm a business person. Um, At the end of the day, I know that we will have long term success because we have values and ethics that are not just words on paper. They are actions that we follow every single day. And I know the companies that I really admire, that's why they have had such long term success. And that's why, you know, they're in business today, you know, not because they were the flash in the pan but because they, you know, slogged it out and, and are actually trying to make a real difference in the world. And I think that we have that opportunity in the fashion and beauty industry because we are those little things that people use every day, you know, the, the little tools of adornment and we have an opportunity to really make a difference, but it is, it, it is, it is a choice. It is a choice mm-hmm. that you have to make and it's a choice you have to make daily. Do I continue yeah. to do business in this way Or do I shift what I'm doing and, you know, make a bunch more money? I hear you saying you have to
0: be incredibly present. Like if if you're making choices, conscious choices that way, that means you are in the moment, which can be very draining sometimes. Like it's tiring to be present.
1: It is. With that sort of alertness. It is. And, you know, and I'm... (laughs) I, am an escapist just like everyone else, you know, I, I definitely go home and just like scroll on Instagram or I'm a big reader. Um, and I'm really into science fiction. So like I read, um, I, I just finished the Martian, um, which Ooh. is the movie with Matt Damon. It's, it's actually yeah. a book and I finished it in like a day. And my husband was like, are you avoiding something right now? I'm like, yes, I'm avoiding something right now. I'm a yeah. business owner. I'm, <laughs> if I'm not doing my business, I'm just avoiding everything. Yeah. So yeah, so I I definitely have those moments when I'm just like, I just don't want to not think about this right now. I'm also reading another great book called um, Taking a Break from Saving the World. It was written by an environmentalist who suffered from like mega burnout. And so I I do try to, you know, be very present and recognize, you know, the weight and importance of my work, but also recognize the joy and light that is my work because I make lipstick you know, like ultimately there is a greater purpose, but I do, it's just lipstick. And so I definitely try to maintain that presence and maintain the, you know, the, the ethics and values that are important to me. Also still experience the joy that comes from like seeing someone at a restaurant, like across the room without a lipstick that is mine that I made and put it on and be like, I made that, I made that. (laughs) Um, you know, that's me. Hi. Um, and then also those moments to just be me, to just be Melody, just a human being who has thoughts and feelings and emotions and, you know, and, and I have kids and I have a partner and I have friends and, you know, and I have a life that is outside of the business as well. And so I think that there is something to be said about trying to maintain that balance. So being present in every aspect of your life, not just the thing that you were incredibly passionate about, but also, you know, I don't know, doing the dishes. Um, you know, being present there too is important.
0: Melody, I think that is a perfect place to end our conversation. I could, we could go on for another like half an hour. I could keep asking questions, rest assured. But uh, I so appreciate your, your openness and your, and your energy. If people want to, Check out some Elite Cosmetics, follow, you know, your story, the business story. Where are the best places to find you? Well, we are still on
1: Instagram. You know, that's 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 my fave place. Um you can find us on all the things just at elate cosmetics. Um and elate is e-l-a-t-e. I and we'll you put can... those in the show notes so people can oh, amazing follow and you. they'll be there. Um and you can follow me personally. I'm also on Instagram. I'm Thank Melody mm-hmm. Elated. Um, you know, and I talk about all things business and you know running running a life and running a business at the same time which you know sometimes converge and sometimes don't so
0: (laughs) yeah that's where we are i have one more question because i can't have a makeup artist expert here and not ask favorite tip favorite product favorite thing about makeup amazing
1: i love this question so much um because yes I, i i love the idea of utilizing tools of adornment to feel great and my go-to's are always, always, always mascara and a really fantastic lip. So I'm a red lip girl myself. Um, my favorite color is called Darling. Um, I'm wearing it right now. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Um, and then a good multi-use. So we actually, Universal Creams have been renamed recently. They're now called Blush bombs. And um, so my Blush bomb in Pinch is my other favorite. And really three things that's all you need in your makeup bag.
0: Three things is great. Well, I'm sure there are tons of tips and tricks on all of the elite platforms. So I'm going to go check those out because as a girl who wears underwear and lipstick every single day, I'm going to go check out that darling. So (laughs) thank you very, very much, Melody. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Donna.
1: Thank you for asking such amazing questions and for hosting this platform for, you know, to shine a light on, on fashion and beauty. Cause I think It's a place that a lot of people, you know, miss, even though you wear these things every day. So I'm just so, so pleased to have been a part of this.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I would love to connect with you on social. You can find me at Fashion Talks Pod on Instagram is the best place. If you have a moment to rate and review Fashion Talks on Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate it. It helps other people find the podcast. A big thank you to CAFA, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, uh, the producing partner with Fashion Talks. You can find out more about CAFA and all the other things we've talked about today in the show notes. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me. Bye.